The first scripture that we're going to is 2 Chronicles 34, verses 1 through 3. And then we'll be reading one verse out of 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25. For just a few moments this morning, I want to speak about revival requirements. We speak a lot about the need for revival and that we want revival. It is the heart's cry of God's people for revival. But do we really know what it takes in order for revival to come for God's people? If you have your Bible with you, 2 Chronicles 34, verses 1 through 3. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. And if you would skip over to 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25, which sums up the life of Josiah. Now before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. As you look at this Old Testament king, Josiah, he is a king of Judah. The country of Israel has been separated into two different kingdoms. You have a northern kingdom, which are ten tribes, and you have a southern kingdom, which is Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. And Josiah is king over Judah. I think it very interesting. You know, we always have heroes. In this life, we have heroes. Sometimes they're sports athletes, sometimes just different people. And as we look at Josiah, the Bible tells us that there was none like him before, and none like him after. And so that's quite an uh, accommodation for him, a commendation to say that he was this special. And it was this king who turned Israel back to God, to worshiping Yahweh. He is noted for this, and, and it had been a particularly evil time before him. The nation of Israel had been serving idols and worshiping other gods with a small g. And along comes a man who makes a difference. How many would like to just make a difference in this world? As I read the pages of the Bible, I see so many words that say that this person begat that person and this person begat this person, and it continues on, and there's no life story there. And I wonder, and I, and I hope that it will not be said of me that I simply was born and I died, but that I made a difference in this world. And so we see that Josiah 
made a difference in his world. He was responsible for turning the people of God back to him. That's really what revival is about. Now, as Pentecostal people, we like the subject of revival because it's about shouting, we think, and about dancing, and, and, and all those things are great, and I'll, and I'll shout, and I'll dance, and I'll sing uh, with the best of them. But what revival is, is a turning of the heart from the world back to God. And that is what uh, Josiah was able to do in his lifetime. He is a special character. He's mentioned in two books of the Bible in the Old Testament, and he is included in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. No one like him. No one in his lifetime and no one historically is like him. So I began to ask questions. Why was he so special? What was so good about him? Was it because he had a great ancestry and he had people to look back at and say, well, this is the way you make a difference? The answer is absolutely no. His father, Amon, was an evil man. His grandfather, who served the kingdom of Judah as king for 52 years, was evil. He had people create carved images, and he was blamed for turning the people to serve other gods and away from Yahweh. So here's a man who stands in the gap in the middle, and he wants to make a difference. Was it because he was old and wise and intelligent? No, not at all. He began to be king at eight years old. Imagine, eight years old. I, I was thinking about when the cartoons would come on next at eight. For in my day, they only came on on Saturday mornings. And you had to get up early to watch cartoons. That's, what, that's where my mind went. And, and little brother, the Lone Ranger come on first, didn't he? And then you got to watch the cartoons. That's where my mind was at eight years old. But it tells us that Josiah at eight years old became king. In his eighth year of reigning as king, that he did one special thing. He began to seek after God. And that, my friends, is what I really want to center on today. For I believe that that is the difference maker in anyone's life. If you will begin to seek after God, if you will begin to cry out to God, to say, God, I need you. I need you more than I did yesterday. I, I want you to know that this pastor, uh, I'm not prideful about preaching the word of God. Every time I get up, I'm saying, God, I need you more this Sunday than I did last Sunday because I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I don't even have enough anointing. But what I do want to do is begin to seek after God, begin to ask God, give me a word for your people. Give me a word for me, Lord. I need you. I need to seek after you. Seek after the Lord. You're not good enough. You need to seek God. Now, that's not very nice to say, but it's truth. What am I trying to get us to the place of understanding today? 
is that we emphatically need God. There is no plan or program that will grow us in the Lord like seeking Him. There is no growth plan or uh, any other kind of design that will grow a church more than seeking God and seeking His Word and seeking His will for our lives. I'm not against plans and programs. But what I'm trying to tell you is that we must seek God first. Seek Him. Look at your neighbor and say, seek God. And here is... Josiah, who has begun to seek after God. It's the key to his life. 16 years old. I look at this front row up here, and there's some young men up here. At 16 years old, Josiah began to make a difference. Whether he's a young man or a young lady, it doesn't matter because it wasn't his talent and his skills and his upbringing. It was that he simply understood that there was a God in heaven that he needed to seek after. He needed to go hard after God. We need to go after God to seek him. And This is the key to the revival that the people of God experienced. You see, when you seek God, it will change your life. May it be said of Cross Point Church and the members that we began to seek God. That on a great day in November, November the 13th, that people began to seek God. Begin to seek God who is the God who will make a difference in this world. Begin to seek God, not to seek revival, but to seek God. For when you seek God, you will get revival. You see, we, we must seek God in order uh, to be able to make a difference in this world. And when we seek Him, there's a personal transformation that begins to take place. If you want to see change in your life, seek God. You'll see change come about in your life. David told his son Solomon, who would carry on the work after he was passed, that uh, the Lord wants us to seek him. He said, if you will seek him, he will be found by you. I want you to know that God is not hiding from you. He wants you to seek him, and he wants you to know him in a greater way. He is not hiding from you. He wants you to to know and understand him. He is a personal God who loves each and every one of us. And he sent his son to die on the cross for us. So we must seek him. God wants us to know him. Pastor, are you making all this up? Does God really want us to seek him? Psalms 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on all of mankind to see if there's any who will seek him. This morning, can we let the Lord see us seeking him? Can you raise your hands this morning and just begin to seek the Lord? Hallelujah. Lord, we seek you. We desire you, God. More than our next breath, we declare that we seek you and we need you, Lord. God, more than anything Lord, we know that you, God, will satisfy, and we seek you. 
We seek you, your will. We seek your word. We seek your design and your plan for us. God, we seek you. We seek the giver more than the gift, Lord. We seek you. Come into our lives, Lord. Make a difference in our lives. You see, we must seek God. Not seek even his anointing. For that comes when you seek him. I was guilty at one time and wanted to just preach like T.D. Jakes. He was my idol. And the man can throw down and he can preach. But I'll never be T.D. Jakes. But what I will be is a man who seeks after God. And when you seek after God, then you will get a word for your life and a word for the people of God. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, seek God. Seek God. It is a precursor to revival and when I think about seeking God my mind always goes to the altar now I know that this type of altar is a modern day thing but throughout the Bible there was an always an altar a place set aside to seek after God and you can have an altar in your home it might be a closet. It might be a room where you simply shut the door and you block out all of the world and you block out all the interference that might happen and you begin to seek after God and you begin to lay your life upon the altar. Back several years ago, I preached a sermon called Don't Avoid the Altar because here's what's happening sometimes. There are some weeks that people flock to the altar, and there are some weeks that everybody's looking around at the first person to go. It's the truth. Why? Because the devil has been allowed some space up in there, here in our mind, and we're thinking like this. Pastor made an altar call, but if I go forward, they'll think I'm a big sinner. If I go forward, they'll think something's wrong with me. They'll think I've done something really bad. And, and so people stay back and they don't come forward to the altar. But it is at the altar that change takes place. It is at the altar that we seek God and he makes a way where there seems to be no way. And besides that, whatever happened to people coming to the altar simply to seek God and to grow closer to him. My friends, when it comes time for the altar, we need to go to the altar whether it's at our seat, whether it's uh, standing out in the aisle or, or up here up front, whatever it might be, we must not avoid the altar. It is a place of consecration. It is a place of dedication to tell the Lord, I'm seeking after you. I'm seeking. I need you. How many have had significant things happen in your life at the altar of prayer? See, and so why do we avoid it? See, there's no place for that kind of pride in our life. There's no place for that in our life. If you ever think you're too holy to come to the altar, then, my friend, you need to run to the altar. Because you need to repent. We're never too holy to go to the altar. Our life is to be laid upon the altar. The Bible talks about killing of the old man. If you don't go to the altar, 
The old man will rise up and we are called to kill it. The Bible tells us that we are to die daily to ourself. And that happens at an altar, a sacrifice, a place of prayer. As we seek out God and we grow closer to him, look at your neighbor and say, don't avoid the altar. I was reminded of a song. Simply starts off here at the altar where I run to rest. If you can find no peace in your life, if you can't get any rest at night, it just might be because you need to go to the Lord in prayer. And I've had many times where I could not sleep and I could not rest and the cares of this world were shackling me down, but it was at an altar of prayer that peace finally came as I seek after God and I go after God and God speaks into my life and God talks to me and God uh, uh, loves on me. You see, God loves you. It is at that altar of prayer that we can find rest, that peace and peace of mind, that peace with God and that peace of God where our weight resurrection. At the altar is that life-changing power of resurrection and the touch of your breath, that song says. How many ever had just that sweet presence of the Holy Spirit enter into the room as you begin to cry out and seek God? God, I don't have the answers. God, I've got these issues and I've got these problems and I need you, Lord. And I need your Holy Spirit to come down. And I need you to just shower over me, God. I need more of you. Lord, I'm seeking after you. God, I know that I need you. How many can see, can just feel God's presence in this house? Amen. Lord, as we begin to seek after God, then his presence will come. And he'll do things that we cannot imagine. God wants us to seek after him. He says repeatedly throughout his word, seek after me. Seek after me while I may be found. He says if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What is this process? It's a humbling of ourself before God and when I humble myself before God when I'm at my lowest is when I can see the greatness of God when I'm at desperation point is when I can see the glory and the power of the living God so God wants us, us to humble ourselves and to seek after him how many have ever read this scripture, if my people will humble themselves. I want to challenge you this week. Say it like this. Substitute your name in. If Brian Roberts will humble himself and seek God's face and turn from his wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven. God will heal 
him. How many knows we need healing? Talks about his land there, but that's a, that's a group of people. Josiah was a difference maker in his lifetime and thereafter as well. No one like him. What does the word Josiah mean? It means whom Jehovah heals. Now, I'm a nerd when it comes to seeking out the word and what it means and digging in. And when I saw that, my mind went right to 1 Chronicles 7, 14, where it says when God's people will humble themselves, and the last line is, I will heal their land. Josiah was called to be a healer of the land through his relationship with God, through him turning. We haven't even got to this, his status as a, as a king but it was when he personally turned to God that the changes started to happen in the kingdom of Judah and of Benjamin because he humbled himself and he began to seek after God. So one of the biggest keys to revival is that we must seek after God. God was going to use him to heal the nation of Israel. And I want to close with this. Josiah turned and sought the Lord. And when he did, things began to change in the kingdom. The people turned towards God. Revival began to take place. Could it be that you and I could be instrumental and a last day revival for the kingdom of God. And it doesn't require us to have a Ph.D. or an M.D. simply requires us to seek God. Could we have a revival like they had in Josiah's day? How many are tired of your children being away from God? Your loved ones being away from God? This process of revival, first thing, first key, can't even get off of it today. Seek God. Seek Him and see what He will do.